Hello, and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, or powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here with my co-host. Hey, everybody. It is Ryan, the uh, cardboard samurai out of the Tokyo area of Japan. Well, good uh, morning for you, Ryan. Yes. Yes, how are you? How are you? Yes, we're... we're... Good, good, good. Oh, hello, doggies. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're always lurking in the background, usually yeah. pretty quiet during the shows. Anyway, so uh, be more casual because it's just the two of us today, but we had a nice little topic that you brought to us. Do you want to introduce our today's topic? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I always randomly come up with these, these ideas and, you know, we've had a lot of metagame talk recently. And of course, you know, we just finished the uh, the season for the, you know, the RCQs and whatnot. And we're going into the area um, qualifiers now, but... Uh, with everyone's, you know, eyes kind of focusing on competitive uh, pioneer now, I thought, you know, we should probably try to talk a little bit more about competitive things. And I know we have a lot of new players in pioneer and just to competitive magic in general since the pandemic. You know, we we have like what two, three years of people who've never really played competitive magic, and there's a lot of skills that I think hmm. people need to develop. And one of those skills is knowing when to give up i think <laughs> so i approached All right. yeah. yeah so i, I approached uh kevin i'm like you know do you know the the anime uh fist of the north star where you know like uh the kung fu guy hits guys so hard that you know you know they they explode a few minutes later but they don't know it yeah so i'm like yeah so i, I won't try to say it in japanese but yes i'm familiar oh my emotion did yeah uh, perfect yes. there we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah so uh l- let me also take it from my perspective here you yeah. know we, we do talk about competitive probably about half the time on this you mm-hmm. know we, we bounce back and forth between competitive episodes between uh you know meta episodes brewing episodes mm-hmm. you know for fun things this is kind of a uh you know you want to go skill specific yeah. so this is kind of talking about specific times in the format is just kind of a like you know hey recognize like this is a point where you're already dead um yes. so pretty much you know it's and it's gotten too bad there's no coming back from that and it's not necessarily like oh i need to know exactly when to give up in each matchup it's mm-hmm. more of a like hey this is uh you know this is what this deck does and if you're already in this position it's hopeless so like keep, keep an eye out for that you know like if you don't have the tools to fight back from it i mean it's just gonna get worse from here yeah do you agree this is a good skill to have for competitive magic though Yes and no. Like, I, I don't think it's specifically like, oh, I care about my clock. I need to scoop it up here. It's more like, hey, this is this deck's win con is yeah. how I'm more looking at it. Like, this is the thing that this deck is going to do to beat me. Um, if I'm already in its clutches, or so to say, uh, then you're kind of out of luck. So, Well, I mean, from my point of what, view... What, why don't we start with kind of an obvious example here is what I was thinking immediately well, when well, you're talking about this. Well, I was going to say, from my point of view, I think it's important because your time's important, especially if you're not playing an aggro deck. The clock is against you. The clock is very important. If you're aggro, maybe you don't need to worry about it so much. But also, you have time between rounds. You need to kind of decompress and stuff like that, I think. So I think it's important. But anyways, yes, you can you can start us off with an example. Yeah, you know, walk away from the table, grab a slice of pizza, mm. um, complain to your friends on Discord, whatever it is you need to do in between rounds there to uh, to get over a beat, but you are already dead. Um, yeah, so I wanted to start off with kind of an obvious example when you're talking about this, is it's like, hey, Teferi's unchecked three turns in a row here, it's ticked up to like seven now, mm-hmm. you know, they're passing their turn with six cards in hand, and 
a full thing of untapped mana. Like, maybe it doesn't look like, you know, you're sitting there at 20 life, but the game's over. You are yeah. already dead. Yeah. Yeah, I would say in, in the control matchup especially, uh, yeah, if they if they do that, if Teferi's already ticked up and yeah, they have a full hand of cards and nothing is tapped, you're not going to be getting through that. But is there a way to get through this type of unwinnable situation, you think? So in that case, I think the biggest thing would be, you know, bombs uh, that can just, you know, answer the board entirely, especially something that would have to be counter uncounterable at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're kind of just looking at like mono green with like a big Ulamog or something. You know, that's yeah. not even the most popular version of that deck right now. Um, you know, haste threats can help with Teferi, but by the time they've got like Teferi, they're holding up the Wandering Emperor. Uh, what you'd really need is for them to be at such a low life total that you can just kill them Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know burn spell or you know ramen up ruins to get that last couple points of damage in Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise it it, that can be pretty hopeless yeah and i was saying if you're playing black uh what is it the thought distortion or whatever the one that's like six mana uncounterable they discard their whole hand sure yeah um not many decks want to go that big that they'd be able to afford that lotus field reasonable maybe yeah yeah maybe that can fight through it um but yeah in that situation you're pretty much dead um, and when I when I when I see that happen on arena, I pretty much say concede. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not gonna waste my time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, I think that's a, a good example of of what it, it feels like, or what it feels like, what it is to be in an unwinnable situation. Are there any other unwinnable situations in control, or is that pretty much the biggest one? Like, should you worry about them having um, what is it the uh, Three five flyer, I think, with lifelink that gets plus one plus three whenever they draw a card. Is that are you in trouble when that happens? You know, I mean, that at least ends the game pretty quickly. Um, I think the other thing I'd really be looking out for is like a planeswalker ult. Mm. Um, you know, Liliana, the last hope doesn't really see much play anymore, but if that ultimates, uh, you're probably not ever coming back from that. You know, if the Teferi ultimates, you could just scoop it up right then and there. Almost all of the time, mm. uh, because that's just going to start exiling your lands very quickly. Um, I'm trying to think what other Planeswalker ults there are uh, that see any play in Pioneer. I mean, I know some people are playing um, Elspeth Sun's Champion now, some of the control decks. Okay. Because they want to win faster. You know, <laughs> there. yeah, there are certainly times where you could see Elspeth and scoop it up. Um, yeah. You know, that, that used to be a big thing in Standard when she saw play, is that there were decks that just really, really had no way to get around her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Planeswalker removal was still a lot more uncommon then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was less... You, you could be playing a deck like Abzan Agra, which had no real evasion outside of Siege Rhino, which gets easily answered. So, like, um, there are times where it's like, okay, yes, I am never going to be able to beat three one ones on the ground mm-hmm. every turn. I'm a ground-based aggro deck, and yeah. I don't have... You know, if you're something it's like Mono White Humans... Um, they, that won't have a way to go over or through that. That that could be uh, enough to scoop it up. Yeah, unless you have like uh, you know, brave the elements or something. Like you know, know your deck. It, it's it's always worth knowing what your outs are to these situations, which mm-hmm. is why we're talking about it. But like, it's perfectly fair to be like, hey, I know that I do not have a way to get through that. Let let's go ahead and uh, take it away. All right. All right. So while we're on the uh, theme of control, are there any other control decks that we really have to worry about in Pioneer right now, or is blue white kind of like the only one 
Um, you know, if maybe you see like a blue red, if they like, hey, I'm going to take the next, I'm going to take three extra turns. Uh, I think that's a reasonable time to be like, okay, I don't need to see what you're going to do with your three extra turns. Mm. I know you've got this. Um, like the magma opus deck, you mean? Yeah. Uh, so magma opus, that's more of a combo deck, but we have been seeing slightly more fair versions of mm-hmm. stuff like the, oh, what is the one that, um, exiles then you look for a creature and put into play indomitable creativity yeah indomitable creativity we've been seeing some of those with like fair plans such as you know just grabbing a gear hulk and digging through yeah. time with it and then copying um, it with the fable and then copying it with yeah the fables, yeah and so copying th- it with the you know, fable <laughs> and you're dead yes, that's a reasonable situation <laughs> where you can uh, you can probably pack it up yeah okay i mean do you want to talk about how, a favorite, how, how uh, you would prevent oh, one of those situations or uh first i just want to hit you with a quick fire question yeah. here is what is your favorite uh in between round snacks when you're playing magic i mean usually uh japanese game stores have a convenience store nearby so i just grab whatever i'm in the mood Ooh. for you know you can get fruit you can get you know candy cookies whatever you can get soda tea yeah so i just whatever how about you okay that's, do you, that's do you i'm a big cashew stuff? guy yeah, I usually will bring like a bag of cashews or something like that. Mm. That's you know, get that protein. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get my like hands that. dirty. Yeah, fair. You, you gotta wash them afterwards, or yeah, don't want to get all that. I oil can't get anything about a napkin. Yeah. All right. Um, so should we move on to a different archetype? I think control. We don't really have a lot to worry about. We don't have uh, blue black control anymore. So. Yeah, not as much. Uh, you know, I was trying to name some things that Blue Black does. You know, they can also have kind of those Gear Hulk locks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Leer, when that saw play, is another one of those that you can kind of be like, okay, I know they've got Leer in play. They have endless limit, you know, just a, an endless number of removal spells available to them. I probably can never get it through that, um, especially if they've got ways to counter without countering things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think the next easiest topic to talk about is combo decks yeah definitely um when do you know you're dead against combo i mean i think it's easier it's probably the most obvious when you're dead against combo right okay well well, yeah let's go through a couple combo spells so or you know some of them do end the game quickly but i think it's also fair to be like hey you know this is this is the you know the tipping point where you know it's too far Mm. um generally if they cast a single spell after um ascendancy combo so ascendancy combo yeah. if they have just guy ascendancy play they cast sylvan awakening and they cast another spell that's enough for me i've seen enough mm-hmm. um, i have seen some it, people yeah. kind of uh what, how do i say peter out or whatever and like not be able to go off uh, on one turn but it's kind of rare yeah it's pretty rare i think once they've cast the first spell that means that they have all of their lands untapped as well as at least you know at least two looks at an additional spell mm-hmm. plus whatever they cast, you know, if it's an opt or a consider or a dig through time mm-hmm. or whatever it is, yeah. um, that gives additional looks at more spells there. Yeah. So usually by that point, you know, uh, and plus, you know, the math there adds up really quickly, you know, even just four lands, they start as two twos, they become three threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time they're five fives, four lands is lethal. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to wait very long. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically when I'm, I'm just like, okay, how big are the lands? I'm dead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, like you said, if they play something like a, a treasure cruise or a dig, and I'm like, if I see that being cast, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm dead. You know, there's no way they're not going to get a, uh, a spell there to keep it going. So, Okay, how about Lotus Field? Well, do you want to talk about how to stop that first? How do we prevent that oh, sure, from happening sure. let's, against let's go to, uh, uh, Jeskai Ascendancy? 
So with combo decks, I think that it's going to be about being proactive. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to be underneath them in some way. Uh, By the time they're comboing off, you know, most decks aren't going to have ways to interact with that. You know, if you're, you know, red-black mid-range or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, you can't wait until they've already got the combo piece in play plus the combo piece in hand. Uh, to be interacting with them, there's just really no way to uh, to do much there. You know, there's some special cases, but not not so much anymore. You know, mm. like back when we had to ferry, you could like cast a sweeper with you know at instant speed, mm-hmm. but um, you know, not as much of that available anymore. Mm. Yeah, I mean, basically, I would say control has a good way out. Um, company decks, maybe you know, if they're playing the. Uh, um, the spirits, the Skyclave apparition. That's a good way to kind of get rid of that. Uh, anybody playing the, uh, what's the other one? Uh, March of the Otherworldly Light. I think is a good card. You prevent basically take out that ascendancy. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a couple things that you can talk if we're being talking about that specific deck where if you're playing a control deck, when you time your counter spells can be mm-hmm. important. You know, if they manage to slip the ascendancy under your counters, and then you've got a counter spell. Um, I think it's probably obvious that the card you want to hit is going to be the Awakening, uh, but there is a little bit of strategy to be like, oh, do I want mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. you know, if they're casting Awakening and they've got two mana up, you know, that could represent yeah. a Mystical Dispute and their extra spell that they still need to cast. Um, so you kind of need to think about it. Um, so a little bit of thought there. I think the other big one, you know, the Ascendancy's decks don't usually run too much uh, counterspell interaction, especially game one. So you have to think about if you have Settle the Wreckage. That That's mm-hmm. a card that playing against uh, Ascendancy can be very skill-intensive because, you know, if the opponent's being smart, they have the opportunity to kind of go through a lot of their deck and find their counterspell to preempt you trying to uh, Settle the Wreckage them if they know that's a card to worry about in the matchup. Um, not sure if that's, you know, that's probably going too specific into one deck versus another deck, but just wanted to kind of bring it up. Okay. Um, did you want to move into uh, Lotus Field next? Yeah, let's let's talk some more combo decks. So Lotus Field, I think, I uh, would love to hear your opinion on that. When do you usually scoop it up when you're playing against Lotus Field? Um, we'll see. I think Lotus Field depends on how much money, or not money, how many, how much mana they're making. You know how much you know if they find those the ability to untap. I mean, once they can do it like two or three times, when I see them get like six or seven mana, um, I'll I'll usually let them continue. Um, until mm-hmm. they cast like a peer through the abyss or some big card, and once once they cast any big card, I'm just like I'm done. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able because especially if they're playing the uh, Sultai version or whatever the uh, what was the uh, the card that lets you. I was just call it Sultai Ultimatum. But, yeah, the ultimatum, uh, or do you yeah. mean uh, beat before the, behold the beyond or whatever it is? Yeah, is but like once they, it's like once they they get that, I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to get cards that it's like whatever they put into play is just going to kill me. So. Yeah, I think yes and no. So peer, I definitely agree. Um, if you know you don't have anything proactive to stop them from casting peer, and they're going to draw half their library, mm-hmm. assuming they have two mana up, um, that's probably good enough because that's what they'll need to find one of their things that can untap Lotus Field and continue to uh, to net mana in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think you know you don't automatically have to scoop to the. Uh, ultimatum. I, again, I just call it Sultai Ultimatum. I know there's yeah. an actual name for it. Uh, Reckless Ultimatum? No, that's not it. Yeah, Sultai Ultimatum's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So generally what they're going to find, you know, it depends on the version, but they're going to, it's usually not 100%, like often they need to grab something like a pour of the pages, where they'll get to look at three more cards, they'll get to untap their mana, um, but it's still possible that that can whiff, so I will usually let them play mm-hmm. that out until it's resolved. Um, something like an Omniscience into a Wish, that I'm automatically going to scoop to, I know they've got it. Uh, if they've got an omniscience and they grab, you know, another big card draw spell, that's probably good enough. If they've got, you know, again, if they've got peer through depths resolving and they've got the mana to cast, you know, another untapper or two, that's good enough. Um, from there, they can definitely win the game. And, uh, you know, once you've played a couple times, you'll recognize exactly the combo there, but you don't need to wait and let them, you know, go through their entire library, find, uh, you know, another wish, find mm-hmm. their Reproach of the Second Son. And don't bother with all that. They're, they've got the game locked up. So I would say, now, if we're talking about preventing this, I would say this is one of the easier ones to interact with because everyone just plays Damping Sphere. And I know they got hate yes. for it, but you basically got to get rid of Lotus Field. I mean, you have that, you have what, Alpine Moon or something like that for red, red decks if they want to play that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what else? What other ways can you prevent Lotus Field from going off? Um uh, Archon of Emeria or uh, anything that says, you know, only one spell a turn. Deafening yes, Silence. Yes, those definitely help. Th- those do a lot. Yeah. Um, none of those are 100%, but yeah, I think Deafening, yeah, Deafening Silence, Archon of Emeria, um, as well as anything that can make those things more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those slow down. Those are those are bumps in the road, but they do have usually ways to bounce those yeah, things, you, like, remove an extra those turn things. Or two, right? Yeah, it gives you extra time to uh, to get them dead before they're going to be comboing. As far as interacting, there are still opportunities. Again, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, you need to know when to aim your counter spells if you have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that a big thing to note is, like, Boseju can be really useful against mm. them, especially if they're depending on Omniscience to win. There you go. Because, yeah, so, like, they can, there's often times where, like, hey, they grab Omniscience, they cast Wish, they have no mana available because mm-hmm. they don't, you know, need mana to cast spells. You take out their omniscience, they put, you know, whatever they put in their hand, probably the approach of the second sun, but mm-hmm. they can't cast it then. Nice. Um, so a timely Boseju or another timely way to remove omniscience can make the difference when you would otherwise already be dead. Obviously, you know, if you don't have that in hand, scoop it up, but uh, yeah. that can that can be a game changer there when you're trying to prevent that, you know, inevitable from I that deck. I still need to get myself a copy of Boseju. There's still like 30 bucks over here. So, anyways, <laughs> it's a good card, yeah. It's um, good land, yeah. <laughs> are there any other combo decks? Or, I mean, like, I was thinking Parthenia. So, I, I did want to lump in here. I, I wanted to lump in here the Mono Green deck. Um, you know, it's kind of a ramp whatever so? deck. Yeah. But as far as recognizing when they've comboed you, uh, I think that that's a useful skill because you don't need to or want to have them play it out every time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not, like, running out of the clock on Moto. Uh, that can be pretty slow to do on Moto, so save yourself the trouble, save your opponent the trouble of, you know, gaining a ton of life, milling you out with the Pestilent Cauldron combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once they show me whatever card they got from the sideboard, um, I mean, of course, yeah, I mean, that's usually when I when I, when I I call it. Yeah, so generally there, so if you guys don't know it, um, what they've been doing is with Karn, you can grab Pestilent Cauldron, which is an artifact, but on the backside of it has Restorative Burst, which is like a five mana sorcery. Brings two cards back from the graveyard to their hand, gains both players for life, and exiles itself. So what that card does, you know, goes to exile. Karn can then grab it again because yep. it's still an artifact. Um, 
if you're doing that and you're grabbing yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. generally like grabbing a karn and a kiora or if you've got the chain veil um you know each of those karns and kioras you play will each get to do it twice eventually you're netting mana so pretty much if they Mm -hmm. can show that they can complete this loop while creating an additional mana Mm -hmm. that means that they can gain as much life as they want Mm -hmm. and when you eventually cast the front side of that cauldron you get to mill out the opponent by activating it um, completely killing them yeah so that that's what you need to be watching for there if basically if they've demonstrated that they can repeat this loop and have more mana than when they started the loop, then you are already dead. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If they grab something different from the sideboard, is that are you still in it then, do you think? Um I would pay attention, you know you you can wait and see if they're looping, but if they have like a true loop, uh, especially if you're on moto, go ahead and, and get yeah, you, you're done there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some ways that they can get back into the combo. You know, if they have an additional card in hand, if they have an additional Kiora in hand, if they've gotten a chain veil at any point. All of those can kind of, um, you know, get them back into that combo without mm-hmm. having to have been there. Okay. So how do we stop mono green? I think most people are asking this question. <laughs> how do we stop that combo? <laughs> you know, from some happening? people are asking this question. Uh, you know, proactivity is still going to be a key. You know, kill them before they've got this mm-hmm. combo up. Get rid of their permanence because it takes away from their devotion. You yeah. Know, they need to have a lot of devotion to actually go infinite here. They're looking at around like 14 mana. Um, that's without chain veil. It can be a little less with it. I mean, like I've been playing stuff that gets rid of the graveyard. I don't. That's probably not a good idea because they can still just get it from exile, right? Hmm. So that would slow down the combo portion of it, but that doesn't mean that you're in the best spot because they can't, um, you know, replay a second copy of their planeswalker and bring it back. Depends on what kind of card you're talking would, about. If it's you know, would graph diggers cage an- be good to stop them casting those spells from the graveyard or? I don't think I would want Graft Digger's Cage. You know, I don't think I would like, you know, board in Graft Digger's mm. Cage against that deck. Let me quick look at is Graft Digger's Cage hit lands as well? Because that would make no, me slightly so. more interested. D- does the one that's two mana? Uh, is it permanence? Yes. So permanence can't be returned from the graveyard. Is that like weathered something? Yeah. You know, weathered that that card stone. used to see some play. Yeah, weathered I usually have that stone. in there against Parhelion decks. Hmm. Nonland permanents can't enter the battlefield. Yep. Oh, that does say nonland permanent cards in graveyards and libraries. So that doesn't stop, no, it doesn't stop um, mm-hmm. the Cavalier, which is something that they can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does stop a lot of the Storm of the Festival, though. So I could see that being played. Uh, that doesn't actually stop them from restorative bursting, though, mm. because they still bring the card from the graveyard back to their hand. So, okay, so I think that's probably not worth bringing in against that deck. So uh, if you're talking about like a rest in peace, mm-hmm. though, you know that I still don't think I would bring it in. But if I had it, I'd keep it in kind of thing like it. That's kind of a weird situation. Uh, I don't think that it's worth, you know, they can just play some Cavaliers and kill you. Uh, I, I don't think that rest in peace is going to do the trick either so basically you're saying we need like a five mana ugin spirit dragon to be able to excel all their devotion by turn three <laughs> no i think you know you can kill one elf and uh, and slow them down you know mm. put put something on the board so that their planeswalker can't block mm-hmm. exile removal is excellent you know it gets yeah. rid of the cavalier without getting them their death trigger it gets rid of the old growth troll okay. which is a big source of devotion yeah without getting rid of their uh Okay, so exiling is key against this matchup to prevent that situation, or at least slow them down to give you enough time to, to beat it. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about countering decks, um, I would say land destruction isn't the best. You know, like, I don't think you want to 
bring an assassin's trophy mm-hmm. and cast that on their nykthos like mm. that that's a thing i feel like i've seen and i don't think that that's a great strategy you know that doesn't interact with their plan that's kind of putting you down a card mm-hmm. they're still getting mana in play so mm. unless if you're able to do that while really pressuring their life total um i can see damping sphere i think that that's reasonable i could see you know alpine moon if you've got it it can mm-hmm. it can hurt them but it's not like um it's not like you know just killing one nykthos is going to change that matchup for you like that's not really what their deck I mean, is fully if, about if you i would say damping sphere now that you think now that i think about it damping sphere is probably a little bit better because you said that uh that one card that combo only nets them like one extra mana a turn and each time they cast it's going to cost two mana and three mana and four mana they wouldn't be able to keep the combo up right um the bigger thing there is that Damping Sphere also makes it so that the lands can't tap for more than yeah. one mana. Yeah, so, so Nick those there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that so really shuts down. I'm going to play some more. I'm going to play some more Damping Sphere. So, I'm sorry. I never really think about these matchups too in depth. I'm just like, I I have a feeling this card's going to be good and it usually isn't. So. <laughs> mm. so it's good to think it out like this. Okay. Anything else that you would put in combo? Like like I said, is Parhelion in combo? Um, I don't usually consider it, it that much of a combo deck, but I think we can definitely talk about... Let's talk Parhelion. Yeah, it's kind of in that gray area, I would say. It's a nice transition Super as we're talking synergy. about combo now to talking about mid-range next. Yeah, so Parhelion, when do you know you're dead? Like, uh, when you've is, got is, 13 is thinking, damage yeah. coming at you in the air. <laughs> you know, usually that's... For a lot of decks, that's fine to say, okay, I'm done. Um, that's their main game plan is to bring back the card Parhelion when it attacks. It's a 5-5 and it creates two attacking 4-4 angels with vigilance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless if you're able to kill them on the crackback, you know, the next turn be able to attack through those two 4-4s and kill them, mm. then that's already 21 damage in the air at you. So you're going to have a real hard time, especially if, you know, they're able to repeatedly do this. You know, the Grease Fang's still in play. They've still got a way to do this the following turn, etc. I mean, have you uh, given up against uh, Parhelion deck on turn two before? Uh, you know, I don't think I've been turned two Parhelion. Uh, it's a possibility, That's but a, uh, they're playing I just the, haven't uh, personally. The Stitcher Supplier version, and then you have yeah, a lo- sorry, it's kind of the yeah. non-optimal version now, yeah. so it, it hasn't shown up. No, no, no. With that specifically, but still turn three is pretty pretty consistent. I think turn three. Turn uh, I don't know about consistent. Maybe but not consistent, yeah, that, that's but that's where it's you're not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, if I don't have removal, if I don't have a way to kill it. So how do we prevent that situation? I would say we need to get rid of Grease Fang. You know, as soon as that comes down, as soon as that goes into play, if they have anything in the graveyard, kill it. If it doesn't yeah, have, um, you know, if they don't have anything, speed, don't kill it yet. Instant speed removal and instant speed ways to interact with the graveyard are the two biggest things that really do there, as well as you could play some proactive cards like you're talking about, you know, this Graft Digger's Cage, mm. Runestone, those are those are reasonable. Yeah, and I like a Braid as well because it hits Grease Fang or the, um, anything that they might play like a Sickest Chariots. You know, if they just hard cast that. Even though we do want more Exile effects. So like you said, um, anything that Exiles is better. Exiles is so good in, in the metagame in general now, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, is there anything else we need to worry Is that really all we need to worry about? Just kill Grease Fang? And they got nothing? You know, it's not that it's a nothing deck. I think that the Abzan version, which is the most popular, does have plenty of ways to play a 
game that will continue on. You know, if they're playing Liliana and they're able to mm. take care of the cards in your hand, that's yeah. going to make it harder to hold up instant speed removal. So that's where it, it might be more to your advantage to play to the board, play something like a proactive answer, um, such as something you can correct to exile the graveyard mm-hmm. or something that stops them from bringing the graveyard back, mm-hmm. something that can be in play that can kill an artifact, etc. The other big thing is, you know, they can just play Chariot and play a 4-4 that makes two twos and, and swim with that and maybe yeah. win the game that way. Yeah, so you have got to have something to deal with that. But yeah, I think, yeah, Graveyard, Removal, um, you know, Rest in Peace, Killing uh, Grisang, you should be all right against it. Just got to be, you have to time your attacks well, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, don't tap out. Always keep that uh, answer open. I mean, it has been getting better, but uh, maybe just people just had poor matchups or didn't have the the right card in the re- in their hand, you know, when when they needed it. Okay, so you wanted to move on to uh, mid range next? Yeah, I wanted to go to you know red black mid red black mid range. I think that's right. a big one. Like red mid. This is a, so this is where it gets harder. I, I, mm-hmm. I would say with aggro, you kind of know when you're dying. With mid range, you know the 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 board states are a little bit more complex. You know, so when do you think it's over? Like, when do you give up against black, red, mid range? Is when you have nothing. Yeah. So when I was thinking about this, there there's three big situations that I can think of. Um, one of them is you're an aggro deck. Mm-hmm. They have Kalidus down, and they've already removed one or two creatures. Mm. Um, you know, that can be it's already lights out. You know, they're going to be gaining life back. They're going to have an endless number of blockers. Mm-hmm. They're going to you know continue to get two for one with every removal spell they draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if they're at a reasonable life total, I think that's perfectly fine to say. Okay, I'm not going to be able to beat this Kalidus plus everything else they have. This, this is lights out for me. Yeah. Um, the other big one that I was thinking of, you know, not all of them are playing very much Kroxa, but Kroxa can be one of those cards. It's like okay, I have zero cards in hand. They have Kroxa in play. Yeah. That's representing you know a two turn clock that yeah. I almost cannot interact with. That's going to be lethal. For or me. so, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, well, for me, like they thought sees me, thought sees me, Liliana me, Liliana me, and I have zero cards in hand. They only have like maybe they only have like a a, a harvester and a bone crusher giant play. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna come back from that probably. If you're yeah, if you're like a uh, you know a linear aggro deck that mm. doesn't have ways to fight back against a mid range deck. Um, you know, maybe don't be playing that deck right now because you're going to have a hard mm. time against anything mid-range. But, there, yeah, it's perfectly reasonable to say, like, okay, I'm not going to be able to, you know, deal them 20 damage through the board plus the top of their library. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, the only other one I had is, you know, Liliana, if that's getting to the point where it's ulting, you're losing your everything, uh, maybe maybe go ahead and pack it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, black, red, mid, how do we beat it? Um, if, how do we get out of these situations? And it, there, there's quite a few that we just talked about there. So kill the Calatus. That's one of them, right? Or yeah. Calitas, so sorry. I think that we're, let's look at it from a couple different ways. If you're an aggro deck, um, you know, having the interaction for their most important cards is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like a roast is really good right now. Yeah, if it can yeah. hit Kalidus and shield red. Uh, if you're a black deck, you know, have access to your uh, fatal push is usually fine. Um, the only real one that doesn't hit there is if they're running the boat in the, you know, maybe in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're white, you know, you've got a couple of exile removal options, especially at post board, uh, as well as, you know, creature based exile removal, which isn't the best, but it works. You know, selfless, selfless, um, Skyclave, whatever it's called. Skyclave, Skyclave apparition. apparition. Yeah. 
yeah, can still answer that. Kalidas can still answer that. Kroxa, perfectly fine to go ahead there. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, you know, ha- know basically know the deck and be ready to answer the important cards when you need to. Um, you know, if you've only got the one fatal push, you're probably not going to draw another one. You can go ahead and save that. Don't don't throw it off on their three two. Save it for the Kalidas because that's the card that matters. Mm-hmm. Looking at it from the other way. Uh, if you're not an aggro deck, go bigger than them. That's really what you have to do. Um, combo decks can can go over the top of them. Things like the Niv-Mizzet decks can just mm-hmm. go over the top of them. Uh, you know, the and an Enigmatic Incarnation plays some seven drops that just just evasion, right? Just keep attacking. Yeah, so Spirits is a different you know boat there, just because they they're more of an aggro deck in that matchup. You know, if you're talking about like who's controlling the board, who's going long versus who's trying to deal damage and get their opponent's life total to zero. The spirits deck there is definitely the aggro mm-hmm. list. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, a lot of those decks that can go bigger, you know, mono green, uh, some of the more, uh, the other way you can do it is, you know, don't care about their removal. There are a couple decks like, you know, I've always said that red black sacrifice has been a pretty good matchup yeah. against black red because you know it's just hard for them to deal with a deck that doesn't care if you kill their creatures because they've got you know graveyard synergies they've got cat oven things like that that can be over the top of it do you want to talk about that uh next actually the sacrifice decks um i don't think so you know it's not a huge meta share i do feel like it's mostly seeing play as almost like a counter to red black Mm -hmm. um so you know it pops up now and then at higher tables in competitive events, but I feel like it's a pretty meta dependent deck. Yeah, uh, it loses big to some things. Yeah, uh, you know it, it has some problems with card decks. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say though if you if they do have like mayhem devil times three and a cat and you know an oven, watch out. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't have to be watching out because that's you know twelve damage a turn or whatever already. Any other mid-range decks? Like, do you want to talk about uh, five-color Phoenix? Mid you could probably call a yeah. Yeah, you know we haven't really talked Phoenix. Um, there again, like if they're taking multiple turns, that's an option. Um, it, it never feels like it's unwinnable. It's like sometimes they they, they got gotcha. You know, they suddenly oh, there's they're four very Phoenix. much a yeah, they're very much a win out of nowhere deck. Uh, usually, you don't have to be like, I better scoop now, save myself uh, twenty turns of misery because mm-hmm. it's more like, oh, I am dead this turn <coughs> because they're going to attack me, you know, two times with their Hall of the Storm Giants and mm-hmm. I'm out of blockers all of a sudden. You know, or like uh, even more so, I think when they were playing Thing in the Ice, it would just be like, oh, Thing in the Ice flipped. That's uh, yeah, I'm dead next turn. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the Thing in the Ice that's more obvious, but it's like. If you don't really see, only see like one phoenix in the graveyard, and you're just not sure, and then suddenly, oh, they discard three phoenix, and then they, they attack with four phoenix. It's like you really don't know when you're going to die. Hmm. That's that, not knowing when to die. That's, that, that's a scary deck, I would say. And but, but Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's much. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of like, you know, it doesn't get the anime moment. You don't, you aren't mm-hmm. sitting there not realizing you're already dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I also think with aggro, there's fewer of those opportunities. But do you want to move to their? Well, next? I was going to say Phoenix. How do we? How do we get out of that unwinnable situation if they got to suddenly have a bunch of uh, Phoenix in the graveyard or whatever? I mean, of course, playing rest in peace, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be proactivity. You know, answering their cards that can come back Having and answers. making sure they aren't. You know, if you're a deck that can stop them from the graveyard, then the most important thing is to answer the cards that two for one. So, you know, counter the playing the 
pieces of the puzzle, mm-hmm. um, counter the cards that get them two cards. If you're, yeah, like th- that's an important skill if you're playing against Phoenix is if you're a deck that like, you know, can counter everything mm-hmm. or, you know, can counter some things and can stop them from winning from the arc like Phoenix plan, then just counter the things that matter. Only counter the treasure cruises, the pieces of the puzzle and like a chart of course, that's going to draw two kind of thing. Okay. Um, you know, let them consider as many times as they want because it's not netting them any card advantage overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think we're done with mid-range? You don't want to cover, like, Niv or Enigmatic or anything like that? You know, there, there's some ways you could talk about. Like, Enigmatic, I guess, doesn't win that quickly, but it can a be Niv? pretty obvious when it's won. When they um, you cast know, a Niv, is a game over pretty much. Or after they show that they have, like, five cards... Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's almost obvious, but maybe you can talk. Like, Enigmatic and Niv are both decks that go way over the top as mm-hmm. far as mid-ranging. So it's like, if you haven't killed them by the point that they're, you know, doing their thing for Enigmatic, it's, Once you know, putting a bunch of creatures up. in every play. Yeah, when they've got the engine running, um, you're already dead. Yeah. So, yeah, usually it, it'll be about a, having something proactive before then. Th- those aren't the most, like, high meta share decks, so I didn't mm-hmm. think I needed to cover them. Okay. Uh, I felt like the one I really wanted to cover was more like the aggro. You know, if I were to do one more deck here, would be stuff like the aggro. You know, mono red, still somewhat popular. Yeah. Um, we've been seeing some variations. You know, Boros Heroic's kind of way down. Humans is still certainly around, mm-hmm. and I think Spirits is still certainly around. Yeah, I think those are probably the big ones. I mean, there's Mono Black and Heroic, but they don't really have a meta share at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, Human Spirits, Mono Red, those are the big aggro decks. Mono Red, for me, I usually know I'm dead if I don't have any interaction by turn three. If I can't put anything on the ground, nothing sticks, or if I don't have any removal, or my removal, you know... I mean, I guess against any of these decks, if I don't have... Yeah. You know, if they yeah. counter something with Spirits, or if they make something indestructible with Humans, and it's like... That's that was my turn three. I got nothing. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I think that spirits can be somewhat. Um, you know, that one has some of those. Uh, you know, you're already dead moments where they're drawing. You know, if they've drawn like three cards off their curious obsession, mm-hmm. um, so they have just got you know no the end of gas they have. They're not missing any of their land yeah. drops. Um, so you know they've got counter spells for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you, you can sometimes just be like, okay, yeah, I know I don't have the answer that'll get through these counter spells. I will uh, go to the next one and see if yeah. I can. You know, I would say get off my feet better. I don't give up when the first Supreme Phantom comes down. I give up when the second Supreme Phantom comes down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only thing with Mono Red, you know, I don't think that that's a like. You know, there's not a lot of, oh, it ran past you and you don't realize you're dead. Mm-hmm. It's more of a like, hey, my life totally is going down at this consistent rate. Um, the only thing there I would say is like pay attention to their lands. Mm-hmm. If it's like, hey, they've got, you know, five lands and two of them can deal me damage. That one of those is a hive, uh, not hive, the tyrant, the um, den of the bugbear. Mm-hmm. Maybe they got six lands total. It's like, okay. I know my life total is at five. Those lands represent seven damage. I know I'm dead. I don't need to. Uh, I'm not going to be able to gain back that life. You know, not every deck has access to true life gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just know, okay, I'm never going to beat the lens they have in play. Pay attention to that, and you won't uh, keep yourself in a game that's already lost longer than you need to. Yeah, I uh, usually know it's over if they have like two of the Edelon effects in play. Yeah, you know that's that's another one that can do it. It's where like, it's like, okay, I know that I'm at <laughs> I'm at twelve. They have two Eidolons in yeah. play. They have two Ramen Up Ruins. Uh, okay, I've done the math. I know I can't you know kill mm-hmm. both of them ever. 
Humans, I haven't actually played against too much. Can you kind of just give me a down low? When when do you when would you say you're you're dead against humans? Uh, you know, it's when they're attacking you. Uh, you know, the only thing that's really like, oh, I'm dead now, uh, is when they can brave the elements and just go through your entire board without yeah. being able to block. But even then, that's kind of a like, you know, not on board play, but it's not like, oh, I didn't realize they had creatures in play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's a surprise there. Uh, and there, it's just you know, you don't kill their creatures. Uh, make sure they can't do that. Or if they, uh, what do they have the double uh, Thalia's lieutenant, or bring it back from the graveyard with the uh, with the rescuer or whatever it's called, and then you get like a yeah, huge yeah. buff on all your creatures. Yeah, for that, I, once they they do that, you know, I'm I'm done. So. Against aggro, what are your best weapons? How how can you kind of prevent these things from happening? You know, like we said, you know, the bird elements is kind of tough. Um, the control uh, aspect of spirits, mono reds, uh, extra damage. You know, your your life uh, goes down incredibly quick. How do we? How do you protect yourself? Do you play removal or? or yeah, what? you know, play removal. Play something that catches you up, and I think that you know stabilizers. There's a handful in the format. You know, we talked about Kalidus being a good stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Shield Red can be a pretty good stabilizer. Uh, any of the sweepers that can take out a lot of their board at once that can be a big deal for changing mm-hmm. the board state entirely. Um, I think that's also you know just know the right cards to focus. Like you know, get rid of their you know their Thalias if that's slowing you down. Get rid mm. of Adeline is probably the one that. Yeah. Kills you the quickest. Oh my goodness, she's like um, the rabble master of white. Basically. <laughs> a little bit. That, that's yeah. a reasonable comparison. It's like, uh oh, I better kill it. Uh oh, I should have killed it. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, and again, pay attention to their lands. You know, make yeah. sure you're not dead to a mutavault, even yeah. if you find your sweeper on top. And you, you said a, you know, you said something interesting there. You know about how Calatus and um, Shieldred are good stabilizers. My last question I wanted to ask you is, what would you say? are the best stabilizers in pioneer you know Ooh. you're in these you're in these situations these difficult situations you need to get back into the game what do you play so i made well, have a you list heard about my uncle eugene eugene yes so uh, ugin the spirit dragon ugin is be... i love ugin. that's why i play ramp because that is just <laughs> he's the great stabilizer like wipes the board, kills everything. They got nothing, and you still have a planeswalker. It's great, but he costs eight mana. Yes, he does. So that's that's the big problem. Um, so Calatus, yes, Shieldred. I was gonna say probably, but you think yes, good stabilizer in this format. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just? I mean, I could go through my list. Uh, of I'm cards. interested in what you have. You know, I'm thinking of should I do sweepers as some of my or? obvious ones. Um, yeah. Let, let me let me kind of spitball here because I feel like you've gotten yeah. this more prepared, and yeah. I'm kind of just thinking like, you know, I think sweepers. I think you know the red three managed sweepers aren't always going to clear the board, mm. but they can certainly yeah, do I something. Don't. Especially we're talking aggro still. Yeah. Um, I just thought about shadows verdict, and I'm kind of like, huh? Yeah. You know, that card. Why isn't that card seeing more play? That kills Liliana, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that kills Liliana. It kills the um, you know most of what Red Black has. Mm-hmm. It kills Grease Fang. Yep. You know maybe it's too late if Grease Fang's already out and swung True. at you, but it, it can at least slow no. them down. That's more of a mid range card as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm more of like it's interesting that that card doesn't have a home right now mm. because it seems well suited if it had a home. I think too many people are playing like the aggro versions of like Black Red Mid Range or. Um some other black decks so that's that's one of the reasons why it would hit them too much 
Yeah, yeah it, I don't think there's a slow black deck. It, you know, there's not a blue black control, which mm. would be the deck I would look for. There's Esper and control Niv, sometime. Niv really wants to have um, a companion, so mm-hmm. they haven't been running it as much. Yeah, um, but yeah that, that's a good one. I actually, I actually had in- Extinction event instead of. Uh, yeah, I think that's event. fair. That, that's the one that we see play that sees play more. Um, is probably less, you know, I think Shadow's Verdict would be maybe well positioned if more decks could run it, and they just can't really. So since we're on black, let me just give you the rest of my black cards that I thought were good stabilizers. Would, okay. These, these are a little bit harder. Would you say that Graveyard Trespasser is a stabilizer? If it lands on the uh, battlefield, you get you get life. If it's a creature-based stack or you get rid of some combo piece. <clears throat> or you have a 3-3 that has ward, you have a body presence, something that can block. You know, if it flips the next turn, then you get something. I, I think, I I would say it's a stabilizer. It's not one of the best ones, but it's definitely a good stabilizer. I think there's points where it's just going to be a road bump. You know, mm-hmm. if Mono White or Spirits has already gotten bigger or more flyingy than okay. he is, then uh, it's not going to do that much as a blocker okay it also loses a little bit of power as a blocker versus uh when you're more proactive with the card mm. because you if your opponent's trading two for one removal for it that's great if they're trading one creature for it that's much worse especially okay. if it's like a one or a two drop my other black card my last black card i had on my list was meat hook massacre Kills. yeah that's another good one that doesn't have a much home you know a little bit in like red black sacrifice and that's about it i think yeah which is insane because it's like 90 dollar card in in japan <laughs> it's insane well standard i think is the issue there yeah and probably edh too right yeah yeah definitely so that was my black you you have any other cards you wanted to spitball in any in of the other black? colors uh yeah definitely some other colors um, you know, I think Supreme Verdict, I yeah. think that we talked about a couple, you know, we mentioned in white something like the Elspeth, you know, making three yeah, blockers every champion. turn mm-hmm. while, while ticking upwards. Um, yeah, and more sweepers, like I said, Supreme Verdict. Uh, you know, I was just thinking sometimes something like a Chain Whirler can be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, out of red. Depends on the uh, matchup. You know, not just but... being a, yeah, not not just taking out some small things, but also uh, you know, having first strike blockers and... does a lot. Yeah, if you, if you play it after they uh, tick down. And then Cavalier of Thorns was the other big one I was going to say. Why Why is that a stabilizer? Because, I mean, it gets you a land, it gets you a blocker. But like, It's what? a really big block here. So, you know, just you, it's really just about the removal that's in the format. Um, you know, the, the red removal doesn't really go above five damage. See, so six toughness is enough to wall there. The black removal doesn't usually get too far outside of Fatal Push. Uh, so mm. that doesn't really work there. So I, you know, those are the most common removals in the format, uh, and it stops all of those. And then it's just you know, it's a really big body, and it has reach. I would say no. I would say Elder Gargaroth is a better stabilizer because it has reach. It's six six trample. It gains you three life if you attack, or is it attack or block? Sure. I can't remember. Okay. It, it, it's it's attack or block. So it's a worse card, but a better stabilizer. Um, I wouldn't put it in a deck. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it, it would stabilize me better, but I wouldn't put it in a deck because it's not as good. Um, and I would also say, you know, the the not just the utility, but the fact that if it dies, you do maybe get to get. You know, if if your Gargroth dies and it's just gone, mm. versus if your you, you know they've got one dread bore and you can grab a second cavalier from your graveyard. Mm-hmm that's that's going to stabilize you against something like a red-black mid-range, uh, whereas a Gargaroth obviously wouldn't. You know, if they Liliana it, for example. Well, while we're on green, how about Titan of Industry? 
as a that's a great one yeah so if we're going yeah if we're going bigger uh titan of industry is one of my favorites as far as um green stabilizers really on the high end uh i think i like it more than you know i wouldn't want to play hornet queen anymore i wouldn't want to play i don't think we want to play tarka Mm -hmm. uh i like it more than world breaker so yeah i I really like the um the titan of industry quite a bit Mm -hmm. okay uh i have a couple more green unless do you have any other green cards that you think are good stabilizers Ah, uh, just doing a quick thought here. You know, nothing too much that I can think of. I'm probably missing something, but as far as what sees play, I think I've covered most of it. Yeah, so um, you were t- talking earlier about Monogreen Devotion, and I would say Storm of the Festival is a great stabilizer for them. If they're falling behind, somehow it does happen sometimes, but they manage to get a Storm of the Festival off, that can pretty much stabilize them. I think it can, but, you know, that's... Depends on what you hit. For me, you know, yeah. Storm of the Festival is a cocoa that finds lands. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but for other people, yeah, if it's you know, if Storm of the Festival is double Cavalier of Thorns, then obviously it, yeah. it's a great Storm Stabilizer. Yeah. That's a possibility. Um, and in that yeah. same kind of vein, I would say Collected Company as well, like in those creature decks, is a good stabilizer. You know, if you're down on creatures oh. and you need to put something into play, maybe it's more of a tempo card, but you know. No, I I, I, I kind of lean towards no, and, yeah. and I feel like the reason why is I've been in so many situations where I was like, Double maybe elf. this game still huh. goes on if the top card of my library is Coco, and then I find the perfect two cards, and then I find more gas after that, and even then it's like, okay, even if I found that, that might not be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, often by the point where you're like, I need this desperation Coco, it's probably already too late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, play it out. Uh, that's not a like you're already dead situation, but I think that often if it's like you know it's not going to be the one card savior I think ever just because it's finding you you know maximum of six CMC mm-hmm. and that's optimal and that's uh you know it probably isn't quite enough. All right, I got one more green card that I think sure, is a good sure. stabilizer: scavenging ooze. What do you think? Oh, uh, not really. You know that card hasn't been seen much play, but I feel like that's more of a proactive card. Yeah. Uh, it's not too much that you're caring about the life gain from it, I feel like. So it's more like, you know, can it get big enough? And there's well, not really a lot of It's got the incidental life gain, which is nice, but also, you know, dealing with like a part of Helion or something like getting rid of their combo pieces, getting rid of their uh, artifacts at instant speed or anything else that anybody's going to flash back. I think it's, I think it could do a lot to kind of help prevent those unwinnable situations before they can like flash back a storm the festival you know etc yeah I don't, I don't love it in that matchup I, I think where i'm where i'm more worried about it is the matchups where it seems like it would be good would be like aggro especially kind of graveyard based aggro mm-hmm. but all of those are going to have fatal push doesn't matter how big it gets it will get got by a fatal push mm-hmm. um, you know against like a red deck they can probably shock it before it gets big enough you know okay. by the time you've got the monosync to go into it i think that they can take care of it so I don't think it would be a consistent enough answer to be a, you know, a real roadblock. Okay. Let's jump up to white. And, yeah. And then against like, you know, combo yeah. decks, it's not going to matter. Let's jump up to white because you were talking about Elspeth's Sun Champion. I think that's a good stabilizer. Um, board wipes. Farewell. Yep, board wipes. I think is a great stabilizer. Farewell gets rid of everything. Clears the board. Yes. Yeah. You know, they if they have a graveyard combo, no, they don't. Not anymore. They have a bunch of creatures. No, they don't. No, they not anymore. So uh, I like. Well, it doesn't that a lot. stop. You know the Planeswalkers decks, and it doesn't stop. Um, 
yeah. you know, if they've got Lotus Field set up. Yeah. But yeah, yes. I think that that's for the most part. That's a reasonable card. And yeah. what about Wandering Emperor? Gain to life or get rid of a card. I mean, it is more of a tempo card, but I would say you could stabilize with that. You put a board presence, you get, you know, at least two creatures there or like you get a, a, an exile on a creature and some life. What do you think? Yeah, you know, exile a creature and some life is probably the most common form for it. And that's not quite like, I think that it's it's kind of the first step in stabilizing. Mm-hmm. And then you need a little bit more going on afterwards. Okay. Uh, it, I wouldn't call it a tempo card like you had said, but I think that it's a little bit more reactive and less of a like, this is my proactive, mm. you know, shield up to keep me alive. Okay. That's going to continue to get worse for my opponent. One more card in white. Uh, one of the big five-five first strike angels, Baneslayer or Lyra. What do you think? Yep, that, that's what I definitely thought of as well. When you're like, oh, you know, just some big, uh, some big dumb wall. Uh, I almost want to put uh, what's the six drop one it that around, it gets makes you a three-three and gains five life. It's a six drop. It puts yeah, in a three-three. Grab my. Uh, I know I've got life. a list. Oh, put uh, it in recently. Linvala. <laughs> Yeah, Linvala. Where, where's she been recently? You know, these what? aren't cards that are really seeing play just because they don't have a home. But uh, I can shout out my girl is she, Linvala. Is she a 3-3? Three, 5-5? Three, five, five? She's a 5-5 five, five that makes a 3-3. Three, three. Hmm, I've totally forgot I about believe. that card. From Oath of the Gatewatch, right? Hmm. Yeah, let me find mine. It's not bad. Okay, so if, if Ryan's not even thinking about it, it's probably too far off the radar. <laughs> but um, All right. I've got her in the main deck of a bad list I've got over here. Anything else in white? <laughs> I think those are the big ones. Something. Yeah, um, you know, you had mentioned Dream Trawler can do a lot with the lifelink. Mm-hmm. Kind of stabilizes because you can keep yeah. it back as a blocker and still gain life, or you can attack and gain life. Um, red. I think I can. I can only think of two. I I thought Chandra Awakened Inferno was a good stabilizer because it can mm. clear the board or it can kill a big thing. It can kill Planeswalker. You know, etc. And uh, the other one I had was Storm's Wrath, which I thought was like probably one of their okay. best, better, probably better than Anger, but not as still not as good as like. Uh, I don't think it's better than or, Anger or you know the other three mana sweepers. Mm. I think the three mana sweepers. It's just more important. Okay, so yeah, there's nothing else in red I could think of. Yeah, you know, I play big, dumb red cards, but, you know, stuff like Cavalier of Flames mm-hmm. is probably not what we want to mention on this episode. Yeah, that's... We're trying to be competitive here. Yeah, we yeah, can, yeah. Uh, we, we can, you know, there's sometimes where Torbrand does a lot to stabilize mm-hmm. you, but I don't think that quite is what we're talking no, about. No. All right, then Blue's the last one. Any blue cards that you think can stabilize? Again, this was kind of tricky, I thought, because there's a lot Ooh. of tempo cards. There's a lot of, hey, bounce something, but does that really stabilize you if you're using an Aethergust? <laughs> not really. I almost want to say Ledger Shredder, but like I feel like that's cheating. Um, mm, is that really stabilizing? <laughs> just like the fact that it can come down and be a 2-4 so much of the time. Uh-huh. Uh, for like, you know, three mana 2-4 with flying can do so much to wall people. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially threatening to grow if there's something like an aggro list that's going to double spell. Um, I would say... Thing, thing in, in the, the Ice, ice when yeah. that was a play? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's a blocker, um, so it keeps them away, and then but it also turns into a 7-8, and it also is a bounce spell. I mean, what more can you ask for in a, you know, turning around an unwinnable situation? Yeah. There are times that Gear Hulk can be an answer as well. I think yeah. that if you're, especially if like it's a Gear Hulk opus, um, yeah. that, you know, that's almost just a combo deck, but Definitely. Uh, that can probably be enough. Um, and what about Holebreaker Horror? Oh, that that's fair. Uh, you know, you don't really bring it in in 
it's not really a reactive card. Like yeah. you're not like, oh, I'm going to bring this in against aggro and then wall them with my seven seven. It's more of a like, you know, almost proactive. Like, hey, this is uncounterable. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, wins me the stack wars every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's more important about it. Okay. So I think that covers pretty much all the cards that I thought were good uh, stabilizers in the format. So maybe this is a good part, good point to, to end today's episode. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, so hopefully this is interesting for people. You know, we had fun thinking about these cards, and I'll definitely, you know, have this in mind. I, I don't scoop too often. You know, I'm a pretty fast player, so I'm not too worried about my clock. But it's it's always worth it, you know. Give yourself a break. Don't spend 30 minutes losing because that is just horrible for yeah, your mental. It's stressful. Um, go ahead and, you know, know that maybe you're already dead. It's uh, it's perfectly fine to admit defeat and try and win the next one. Um, so if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you like any of our content, if you want to hear more about Pioneer, the best thing to do is go ahead and follow us at MTG Pioneer on Twitter because we post all kinds of Pioneer content day in and day out on that Twitter account. And Discord. Yes. Uh, but yeah. And you can also find a link to our Discord there. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter as well at Yo Japan Hobbyist. And if we did miss some other good stabilizer cards, definitely come into the Discord and let us know. So. All right. So we are the First Pioneers Podcast. We look forward to being your go to source for pioneer information online. Uh, your first pioneers, you know, I was gonna try and reference Fist the North Star and it's gonna say we're fisting I, out. No, Don't wanna say that. No. So I'm gonna say, you say I'm and gonna you say are we're dying dead. out. And you're, and you're already dead. Okay. There we go. How about scooping out? We're scooping out because oh, that's go. a pretty good one. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're the first Pioneers podcast and we are scooping out.